Hello, and welcome to the Sapona Road Church Podcast. Today is a great day. It's the day that the Lord has made, and we are excited that you've taken time to join with us as we hear from God's Word. We exist as a church to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope that today's message encourages and blesses you and helps you to grow and mature in your walk and relationship with Him. The Word of the Lord is powerful and life-changing, so let's see our lives transformed as we listen to today's message. I'm going to read from Matthew 4, uh, verse 17. And it says, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Father, thank you for your word, and we just ask your blessing upon this message. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, I want to start just by talking about the word uh, repent. And uh, there's a lot of different definitions of this word a lot of great definitions, and some people will say that it's a, uh, it's a turning away uh, from sin, and uh, that's a good one. And some people will say that it's more than that. It's a turning away from sin and turning to God, so it's a turning away, away from something and to, to turn to something else, uh, and that, that's a good one too. But the meaning that I found that I like the most uh, is that the meaning for repentance is it's a changing in the way that you think. And because you're changing the way that you think, that, that change in your thought life causes your actions to change. It causes your uh, direction to change. It's not just that you uh, turn and say, I'm going to go follow the Lord now. It's that you were going one way, and all of a sudden you, you realize there's a changing in what you're thinking, that you realize that what Christ is, and you turn away from sin and you turn to Christ. So it all starts with a change in the way you think because of your change in your thinking now your actions change and your direction changes so i've called this message today uh, repent change the way that we've been thinking and uh, what i want to do is just uh, give you a few little things to uh, that i feel like are worth thinking about this morning i've, I've told you that before i, I like to uh, leave you with something to think about uh, or, or to change how you're thinking about uh, when i when i speak and so uh, i think that there's just so many things that we do uh, and we just do it because it's what's expected. We do it because it's always what's been done. And it's, I'm not saying that I'm against those things or that they're bad things. Uh, but why do we, we never even think about what we're doing or why we're doing it? And as important as it is to do the right things, uh, a lot of times what's even more important is the motivation behind it. Not just doing the right things, but doing the right things for the right reasons. And so hopefully I'm going to encourage us in some areas today and uh, if we need to help us change the way we think uh, in other areas, if it's, if it's necessary. And so I hope that it's going to help someone here today, if, if not, at least be some, some food for thought. Um, so um, this is for all of us because I need to change the way I think about some things as much as anyone else. We're all constantly uh, renewing our minds and growing in our walks with the Lord. And so the first thing is just straight from this verse. Jesus said uh, to repent. For the kingdom of heaven was at hand. Now, notice what he did not say. He did not say, repent so you don't go to hell. 
But that's usually what we preach a lot of, and that's what you hear a lot of in the church. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but that's not what Jesus said in this scripture. He said, repent, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so he was saying, you need to change the way you're thinking. The, the thought patterns that you've developed and your belief systems that you've developed in your life, it's time for them to change because now the kingdom of heaven is here. And so what I remember growing up hearing preachers say things like, uh, in a, after a, like revival services, when you go to the next service, and they'll say something like, uh, and I may mess this up, but you've probably heard a version of it, and they'll say, how many of you are living like you're on your way to heaven? You've heard them say something similar to that, or how many are, you, are, are living your life like you might go to heaven tonight? And uh, that's, there's nothing wrong with that statement or that question, but the real question should be, how many of us are living like we're in the kingdom? Because there's a lot of people that their whole focus is about going, and I can't wait to get to heaven. Heaven is going to be amazing. But what about the kingdom that we have access to right now? Matthew 16, verse 18, it says, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. A great scripture. Now, on the scripture, we need to realize, who does it say is going to build the church? Jesus said, I will build the church. So Jesus tells us that he's going to build the church. And then if you, if you take the time to count it, somewhere around 127 times in the New Testament, he tells us in some way, in some form, to go extend the kingdom. He said he's going to build the church, we're to go extend the kingdom. But most, uh, or almost most church people, won't, all they want to do is build the church. They want to leave the kingdom to everybody else. You don't get as much recognition for the kingdom. You don't have as many things to show uh, that, that are actually physical to say, look what I've done when it comes to uh, the kingdom. God did not tell us to build the church. God has given us the assignment to disciple nations. That's what he's called us to do. And uh, we're to go out and to extend the kingdom. And, and now when I say that, we, we're called to disciple nations. We're to go out and extend the kingdom. That doesn't mean that we all have to go all over the world to do ministry and extend the kingdom. Extending the kingdom starts with whoever God puts in front of you. You're to love on that person. Some of us, it's at our job. Some of us would do a, a whole lot of good for the kingdom if we just started at home. Some people are really nice to everyone else, and then when they get home, they never smile again until they leave the house again. So extending the kingdom isn't always about going to a different country and becoming a missionary. It's about loving whoever God puts in front of you. So don't, don't get me wrong when I say, when I say that. I'm not, I'm not making little of what we have to do right here around us. But we're to go extend the kingdom. Matthew 10, verse 7 says, And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Now, that's why a lot of people don't like to go extend the kingdom because that stuff starts to get scary real, real fast on us. But notice that it doesn't say to only do this stuff at church. Not to just pray for people at church, just talk to people, talk about the Lord at church. It, and it doesn't say, do this and your church will grow. There's a lot of people that are after some of these things, but the only reason they're after it is because they want their church to grow. If we could get some people healed around... Now, it'll make your church grow, I'm sure, but if we could get... If we could get some people healed, we would have our church would grow. And our church, remember, it's about the motivation. It shouldn't be about making the church grow. It should be about extending the kingdom. It doesn't say to do this and your church will grow. And remember, it says, seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Most of the time, we're seeking all the other things before we, before we seek the kingdom. Matthew 28, 
Verse 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So we're supposed to go, not just stay in the walls uh, of the church. And like I said, I'm not talking about doing anything drastic or, or crazy out there. I'm just talking about actually being the hands and feet of Christ. And don't get me wrong, I love the church. Church is a good thing. You have no idea how happy Heather and I are to be here. If you, have, if you don't know anything about what we've been doing over the past 11 years, it feels really good to have a place to call home. As we've been using other people's buildings and things for a long time, set up, tear down, all those different things. We've done it. And uh, we're, glad, we're glad to be here. We're thankful for every, every one of you. So when I, when I refer negative to, negatively to the church, please know that I am not referring to the bride of Christ. I don't like anybody talking about my bride. I don't think he likes anybody talking about his bride. And I'm not, even, I'm not talking about the local church. So when I'm referring to uh, negatively to the church, I'm referring to the religious side. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. I love the church, but we've been given an assignment. It's a big assignment. Sometimes without Christ, it's a very scary assignment, but it's a doable assignment because he gave it to us. He told us to do it, and so he's going to empower us to do it. Jesus did not die so that we could have church. He died so that we could have a relationship with the Father and so that we could take his place of authority here on earth. And see, we're, we're never going to walk in that authority by just hiding out in the building. We need to have a love for humanity. We need to begin to love people to life everywhere that we go. What are we so afraid of? Well, you don't have to look far to see what. There's some scary things going out there. I know it. And uh, there's some places around here that I don't, that I make sure that I got my doors locked and everything when I'm riding by. There's certain things. I mean, we all, we all know what's around us. And we know that people are acting like wild animals these days. You're seeing the videos of people just beating other people up for no reason at all and just they don't care what they're doing. And so that all might be true, but we've been given an assignment. And uh, I think I stole this quote from Chris Valton, so I'll give him credit for it. But we need to remember this. You can't prepare, prepare to survive in the jungle by living in the zoo. We have to get out where things are happening, what's going on. And it's, it's not always easy. But it's time for us as children of God to put the light back into our cities and stop hiding out in our churches. And some people have gotten so bad that they're afraid to go to any event if it's not at their church. It can be a church event, but if it's not their church, they're not going. They're not going to interact with other believers because they might have a different view than they do on some issues or some, some topics, so they don't want to risk it. So you can really forget them ever going out to love on the world. They won't even love on their brothers and sisters in Christ. So we need to change the way that we're thinking. It's not that any, I'm not calling anyone bad or trying to hurt anybody's feelings, but sometimes we just have to look at things a little bit differently. What are we doing? We need to repent. We need to change how we think about things. When I was doing exterminating for 20 years, we would get new products in. Every new product claimed to be the best thing that you, you were never going to need to buy. You can throw everything else out of your toolbox. You're never going to need another product. It's the greatest thing ever. It's going to work. It's going to last longer, work better, work faster, save you money. Every, anything you can think of, they would have it in all these. They would send all these advertisements, send you free samples, and uh, they would even come and give classes about how good this product was going to be. And everything sounded great. They would tell you all their results in the lab. We saw this success rate and this success rate. 
And then you put it out in the real world, and guess what happens? It was worthless. You can't, I mean, it was, it was crazy. You'd, throw, you'd mix a bunch of it in your tank just to get rid of it because it wouldn't kill anything. And, uh, but, but it worked great in the lab. See, that's what we've done in the church for a long time. We've created all these methods and programs, and I'm not the guy to ask about methods and programs, really, I'm not, but we've created all these things that they work in the lab, but they don't really work in reality. They don't work when you get out of the zoo and get into the jungle. Things change quite a bit. And we say things like, oh, you, you need to come to my church for someone who says, oh, that doesn't work for me. Oh, you need to come to my church. Oh, you need to hear our praise team sing that song. Oh, you need to hear my preacher preach that sermon, man. You, need, you just need to come... They get like think, but we got to get them in the lab for anything to work. See, this generation is looking for a God that works outside of the walls of the church. And we have to be the ones that carry the gospel to these people. Uh, last week I told you a couple of stories about me getting it wrong and messing up real bad. So I feel like it's only right that I tell at least one good story where I did something right. And this happened, um, I think it was about eight years ago, I believe. And uh, I, was managing, I was managing an office in Sanford, and so they had someone, and they had different offices around. They had someone in the Clinton office that had, he had hurt his knee under a house, his knee on a pillar, and uh, it got infected. His knee swelled up. He couldn't bend his leg. He was out of work. Doctors were giving him medication. Nothing was getting rid of this infection. And uh, so they called me. It's around Christmas time, too. This guy's early 30s. Uh, maybe only about 32, maybe. And he's, uh, he's out of work. He's got two kids. And they need me to go pick up his truck because he's not going to be able to come back to work for several weeks. And so uh, they said, can you get someone to bring you over there? So I said, yeah, I'll, I'll, go get, I'll go pick it up. And so I call my dad. I tell him what's going on with this guy. And I said, man, he really needs, he really needs help. And so we brought him a love offering from the church. And so uh, we go over there, and I knew this guy's family, uh, kind of. I knew his brother, and they were all really uh, devout Jehovah's Witnesses. And so, I mean, they are, they are, they're high up in it, however that ranking system works. And this guy wouldn't have any part of it. So he had kind of been, like, blacklisted from his own family. They wouldn't have anything to do with him. They were pretty, you know, kind of cold to him. And uh, I knew that had been all he had ever heard his whole life. And so... I get there, and we're there to pick up the truck, and I'm asking him about his knee. His name was Jason. I said, Jason, how's it going? Man, I, they can't fix my knee. And, and uh, I said, well, we got a gift from you from the church, and I gave him the check. And he couldn't believe it. And, uh, he, you know, y'all didn't have to do this. I said, well, no, we want your kids to have a great Christmas. We want to bless you. And it was a, it was a pretty nice gift we gave him. And so uh, he says, well, I'll walk out with you about the truck. So we walk out, and he's, he can barely walk. He can't. He, he can't bend his knee, so he's doing the whole stiff leg walk thing. And so we get there, and before we leave, I said, hey, would you mind if me and my dad pray for your knee before we leave? He looked scared to death. <laughs> but I had given him a check, so he couldn't say no. He had to say, he had to say yes. This, that's the method that always works, money. So he said, well, uh, what, what do I have to do? I said, you don't have to do anything. You just, you just stand there. I said, is it all right if I touch your knee? Does it hurt? He said, as long as you don't squeeze it, it's okay. You can touch it. So I said, well, Dad, I'm going to kneel down and touch his knee. Let, won't you put your hand on his shoulder? We're going to pray for him right quick. And, man, he was so, so scared. 
And so I just knelt down and I just thanked God for him and I thanked God for, uh, you know, what he was going to do in his life. And I just said, I know you want him to get back to work and you don't want this keeping his kids from having a good Christmas. So we just rebuke all this fluid on this knee and we command it to be healed and we just want him to have peace. And so I said, uh, I said, try and move your knee. And when I, I'm getting up and he looked at me, he said, well, that was, uh, that was really, uh, uh, I said, not spooky. He said, yeah, I was expecting it to be kind of scary. That really wasn't, wasn't that bad. I said, it's not supposed to be spooky. Just a lot of people make it that way. I said, so try to move your knee. And I bet his knee maybe moved like that. And he was talking about how much better it was. Now, if that had been a church person, if they couldn't have, if, if they wouldn't have, after I prayed for them, if they wouldn't have been double-jointed and been able to pull it around to here, they would have said it didn't work. But this guy doesn't know anything, and he says, and he's like, uh, he said, wow, it, it's not as stiff as it was. He's barely moving it. And I said, man, that's because God loves you. And I said, he, he doesn't want you suffering like this. And, uh, and he looked at me, and he kind of got a little emotional. He said, you're the first person who's ever prayed for me in my whole life. I've never had anyone pray for me. I've never felt anything like this. I said, well, I said, man, this, you know, God loves you, man. And, I, and we, we left. And uh, I didn't see him for several weeks. But they finally had a function where they brought all the offices together, and I was hunting for him. And he was there. And I, I went up to him, and I, I said, hey, how's your knee? And he kind of wanted to pull me over to the side so nobody could hear us talking. And he says, I was wondering if I would see you today. i got to tell you the craziest thing that happened to me. I said, he said, you'll never believe it. I said, I bet I will. And he said, well, you know, you, you, know, you and your dad did that thing. I said, yeah, we prayed for you. <laughs> he said, uh, yeah. And uh, he said, uh, well, I, the doctor's been changing the medicine, and nothing was working on that knee. They were talking about going to have to drain it. They were talking about all this stuff. He said, well, you know, I moved it a little bit when you were there. I said, yeah. He said, well, uh, I told my wife, and I went to bed that night, and when I woke up the next morning, all the swelling was gone. And he said, it's never come back. And he said, and I asked my wife, you don't think it could have been because of what those two guys did, do you? <laughs> and I told him, I said, I said, man, I said, I'm telling you, God loves you, man. God, and I, I just talked to him just a minute, and, you know, a few years later, he died. He passed away. I don't even know if he made it to 40. And the thing about it is I don't know... I, I believe that I know he got an opportunity to accept Christ because I know God's too good not to have given him one. But see, my job at that time was just to plant the seed, to show him that God loved him, to show him that God had the power to do not only to heal knees but to heal broken lives or anything else. And then God would send someone else to water and to do all those different things. Now, he didn't need me to just jump on him and, and start you know, giving him a bunch of doctrine. He needed to know that somebody cared. That's what extending the kingdom's about. You know, when, you, when something like that happens, people are a lot more receptive when they think that you actually care about them. And see, that's why it's so important that we focus on the kingdom and not just building our churches. I never invited him to church. Maybe that was bad, but I didn't. See, it's about the kingdom. When we don't have the kingdom to offer people, then all we're really offering them is, hey, why don't you come to my church and let me run your life and control you and you'll be better off for it, I promise. People don't want to hear that. People want to be empowered, not imprisoned by our doctrine and our theology. See, not only has the church created methods that only work in the lab, but we've also spent way too much time trying to answer questions that nobody's even asking. 
Have you noticed this? Nobody's even asking. And you can probably go buy, I don't know how many books on that topic right now. We need wisdom back in the church. Not just about church issues, but about life issues. See, the Holy Spirit wants to be part of our lives, not just our churches. Think about what Samuel did with Saul. You read about it in 1 Samuel chapter 9. We're not going to read it, but if you want to go back and read it for yourself. Saul and his servant, they're out looking for some donkeys. His father's donkeys have got out. They can't find them. And they're searching all over, and they've looked in several places. And no luck. They just can't find these donkeys. And so they're about to just give up and quit. And Saul's servant says, hey, why don't we go ask the prophet? What do we got to lose? And so Saul agrees, and they said, yeah, let's go ask him. And they go, and they find Samuel. And at the same time now, God has told Samuel that today the man who's going to be king of Israel is going to come meet with you. You're going to see him today. And so now here comes Samuel uh, uh, and Saul, and they meet up. And Saul asks him, hey, do you know where the seer is? Do you know where the prophet is? I'm trying to find him. And Samuel tells him, says, I am the prophet. I I'm the seer. And he tells him that he wants him to come stay the night with him and eat. And, and then in the morning, he's going to send him on his way and tell him all that is in his heart. And then he tells him this in verse 20. He says, as for the donkeys you lost three days ago, don't worry about them. They've been found. Now, think about this. Samuel's just been told by God, the king of Israel, the guy who you're going to anoint as king, you're going to meet him today. So imagine what all he was feeling. Because sometimes we get real excited when we see an opportunity for church stuff. And he could have went into him, went over there and said, hey, you're going to be the king. God's going to do great things to you. Everybody's going to bow down to you. You're going to have this many people under your rule. You're going to conquer this territory. Not, none of that. Hey, there's donkeys you're looking for. They've been found. See, none of that was Saul's question. Saul's question is, where are my dad's donkeys? And see, Samuel answered that question that Saul had, and so now he's in a position to actually tell him what he really needed to know. That's what happens when we get do things for the right motivation and not just the motivation of adding another one to the, to the person I invited to church list. See, sometimes we get so busy in the church trying to answer questions that people aren't asking that we never get around to actually loving the people the way that we should. We never get around to asking the question that they really came in the doors with in the first place. See, it's really all about caring for people and their needs. It would have done my dad and myself no good to go over there and try to preach that guy's sermon. He needed his knee to get better so he could get back to work and provide for his family. And that's what we had to deal with. It's about caring for people. And see, when we do, we'll put ourselves in a position to tell them what they need to know and lead them to the Savior, lead them through deliverance, lead them into healing, whatever it is that they need. So we put ourselves in the position to tell them of all the greatness that God has in store for them and that God sees in them just like Samuel did for Saul. See, what would happen if we would become kingdom-minded? What would happen if we would start loving and caring for people, even the people that we don't agree with? Even the people that, you know, they're living their life in a way that we don't think that they should. We think they need to tighten up a little bit. What if we loved on those people? What if we treated people like we really cared and not just like we were trying to sell them Jesus? What difference will we begin to make? What if we really began to approach life like kings and queens, looking for opportunities to help and empower people and to extend the kingdom of our God? What differences will we see? 
Instead of just always going up to people and looking for ways that the world can help us, what if we went looking for ways that we could help them? Asking them, hey, will you join our church? Hey, will you help our building fund? Will you support this? Will you support that? There's nothing wrong with those things. Those are good things. But what if we just changed the way that we were thinking about some stuff and began to live an, an example in front of others that would draw them to Christ? Now, we know not everyone would just come, that we come in contact with would accept Christ and be saved and, and put their lives on the right tra track, but I do feel that we can have a greater influence with people by loving them to life instead of just controlling them to death, instead of always just putting more and more rules. See, it's time for us as the church to change the way that we think. And so many of us, we've been in Romans 12:1 since we first got saved, and it's really time for us to move into verse 2. I read these a couple weeks ago, but verse 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And this is a great verse, powerful verse. We all need it. The problem is many of us stay right there with everything about our Christian lives. Everything about our walk with the Lord, we're just making sure that we don't do these things that we shouldn't do, and we're making sure that we do all the things that we're expected uh, to do, and we pray constantly about those exact same things because that's our total focus when it comes to our walk with the Lord. Our walk with the Lord, everything's about us just making sure we don't get left behind and, and that we get to go to heaven, which isn't a bad thing. It's important that we present our bodies. It's important in all this, but it's time for us to move forward into verse 2. I don't know about you, but I was this way for years. Almost everything I prayed about had to do with verse 1 and had to do with me. <laughs> it was all about me because I had to make sure that everything was okay. Verse 2 tells us this, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In other words, change the way you're thinking because the kingdom is at hand. So we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And when we do, we'll begin to experience all the amazing things that God has in store for us. The best way I know to describe it, in case I didn't get that point across very well, is this simple statement. We get saved by believing in Jesus. We all know that. But see, we do ministry and we extend the kingdom when we start to believe like Jesus. There's a lot of good people out there, good Christian people, they believe in Jesus with all their heart, but they don't necessarily believe like Jesus. See, so who or what are we believing like today? Are we believing like Christ? I'm glad you've put your faith in Christ, but are, have you moved on to verse 2 and started to renew your mind so that you'll begin to believe like Christ? So I hope I've put a few things out there for you to think about. And if we need to, change the way that we've been thinking. It's, there, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of things that, that we, we just, we've just heard it so many times. And like I said, I'm not saying we have to change everything except for the way we think. We need to look at it and actually know what we're doing and, and why we're doing it. And if we don't know, that's okay too. Try to find out. Talk to the Holy Spirit about it. Because sometimes if you talk to people, they don't know either. They're just all doing the same thing they've always done too. But ask God to reveal it to you, and I believe that He, that he will. Now, the enemy's going to try and take this away from you. He's going to try and tell you stuff like, hey, that might sound good, but it's not realistic. It's not going to happen. It's not realistic. But we need to remember God never called us to be realistic. He called us to be supernatural. He called us to be faithful. He called us to trust Him. He called us to be like Christ. How crazy is that? But that's what He's called us, that's what he's called us to do. 
And we can do it. We can be the hands and feet of Christ. It, it, it doesn't always, you know, sometimes we don't realize how powerful the little things are. I'm, I'm finished with this part, but uh, I want to give you one more thing. So like the guy with his knee. So we all think that we want to do something to extend the kingdom. You know, we got to have some kind of special guy pray for us so that we can go out and do, do the miraculous and do all this. You've already got this, the, the power of Christ in you. You have the Holy Spirit upon you. you. You've got all the power that you need. But for some reason, we think some big, spectacular event has to happen. And, uh, but it's the little things that are so powerful that you just don't realize. So uh, two things, the guy with the knee and another guy I prayed for, another guy who doesn't go to church, bad shoulder, could not raise his shoulder past here. Saw him in Walmart. Prayed for, asked Peter to pray for his shoulder. He's related to me. Don't think I'm that brave. I knew him. But I asked to pray for him. And when I prayed for him, he moved his arm that high. He's an alcoholic. He's got a lot of problems, a lot of issues. But he moved his arm that high. And he, when he moved his arm that high, you know what he said to me? Thank the good Lord. Same thing. A Christian, if they couldn't do this, Nothing. They'll call you, they'll, tell, they'll go tell everybody how you're not anointed. But he just said, thank the good Lord. Didn't even say thank you to me. He said, thank the good Lord. When do you think the last time that ever came off of his lips? Do you know when you step out and be the hands and feet of Christ, you can call someone who's never given any praise or glory to God in their whole entire life to say a simple phrase that might change the, the path that they're on forever? When you buy that person's meal or you give the waiter a better tip than they deserve and you tell them that God told you to do it or that, that you just want to bless them because uh, God loves them and, and they say, oh, thank the Lord. That might be the only time they ever said it. Who would have ever thought that was the only time that guy had ever been prayed for in 30-some years on this earth? And who knows if he was ever prayed for after that day. See, the, the enemy tries to make you think that what you do is not enough that it's not big enough, everything has to be this big, blown-up thing. It doesn't have to be a big event. You, just by a simple act of kindness, with a motivation of love in your heart that comes from Christ, can get someone who would have never thought of it to actually praise God and many times never even realize that that's what they're doing. That is a powerful, powerful thing. Don't let the enemy ever steal that from you and think you th make you think that it's insignificant because it is not. Can you just imagine what's going on in heaven when someone like that were to, were to say that simple phrase? First, thanking God, calling Him good, and having an appreciation in their heart for someone that they don't even serve yet. They have no clue how much He loves and cares for them, but they're starting to see it. It's starting to open up. So I just want to encourage you, if anything else with this, when it comes to extending the kingdom, extend it with kindness. Extend it with love. You don't have to go out there and debate with people and and go out there and find a bunch of uh, atheists that you need to beat over the head with a Bible till you get them to church. You can just go be nice to whoever it is God puts in front of you today. And when you do that, and you don't take the credit, but you let them know that God laid it on your heart to do that for them, you're going to be shocked how many people that you would never, I would have never thought that that would have come out of his mouth. Never. The only time I ever heard him talk about the Lord, there were some other words at the end that I'm not going to repeat on the stage. I've never heard him say anything like that, but he did that day. And I believe that a seed was planted with that that makes a difference. And I believe that every person in here can do that same thing. 
We can extend the kingdom. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. It just takes faithfulness and a, and a heart that cares for people. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you again, Lord, for the opportunity to be in your house. It feels so good to be in your house today, God. Lord, we thank you that you've given us an unbelievable assignment, that you trust us to extend your kingdom. God, help us to be faithful. Lord, help us to, to be the hands and feet of Christ and to show your love everywhere that we go. Lord, we just ask right now for our brothers and sisters that are hurting in their bodies. Lord, we just ask for healing. We speak to entire bodies. We speak to necks. We speak to knees, God. You can heal knees. I've seen it firsthand, God. We know you're able. So, Lord, we speak to these issues. Lord, we speak, speak to backs. We speak, speak to feet. We speak to organs. It doesn't, whatever it is. And, Lord, we just release healing right now. Lord, we command these bodies to line up with the Word of God. Lord, you said that by your stripes we were healed. And, God, we just claim that and receive it this morning. And, Lord, we just want to speak life over every person here, God. You're so amazing that you care for each and every one of us, Lord, and we're all your favorite, and we're so thankful. God, I pray for every person here to be blessed, every home represented to be blessed, God, and we just give you all the praise and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so happy that you joined us today. If you are interested in learning about or giving to this ministry, you can find more information at saponaroadchurch.com. If you are local to the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, our meeting times are 1045 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7 o'clock p.m. Wednesdays for our Connect groups. From all of us here at Sapona Road Church, we hope that you have a great day as you walk in the Lord's favor and blessing.